Hello, everybody. I'm doing this for the 87. Time coming at you live from the West Village in New York City. I'm your host, Nick Alex. This is the podcast. That's a shame. Hope your week was good. Hope it was enjoyable. Mine was, you know, it was a week. Seven days went by and uh, I'm seven days closer to fucking fatherhood, which is bananas. I'm having a kid. I feel like I breezed on by it in that last episode. Couldn't remember if I just talked about it on the Patreon or on the regular episodes as well. Sometimes I get confused. And uh, I don't know, either way, still going to be a thing I talk about pretty frequently. Um, I mean, it's a major life event. That kid's causing me anxiety. He's not even out of the womb yet. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm having anxiety. I don't know what, I don't know if it's because of him. I don't know if it's because of comedy. I'm still reeling from that just for laughs fucking denial. I thought I had it, baby. I thought I had it. You ever think you're going to take a chick home from the bar? You ever think you're going to pound town and then her fucking dumb drunk friend stumbles into the picture, puking, sick, throwing up, and instead of sucking on you, she's taking care of her fucking friend? She's got to go home with a friend because she'd be a bad friend if she got some fucking pipe instead of handled her immature, non-alcohol handling friend. You ever have that? That's what happened to me with fucking Just for Laughs. I don't know who the drunk friend was in the equation. Maybe the industry. I thought I had it. And it's gone. Never to be fucked again. Could, you know, we could bump into each other down the line. Who knows? Maybe I'll get in there at some point. But, you know, could be a Keith Hernandez situation. Which is my wife's new favorite fucking thing to say to me when she and I'm complaining about shit. We went to this goddamn Keith Hernandez retirement ceremony. Almost cried a little bit, not gonna lie to ya. Um, My wife cried, and it made, I'm not gonna lie, I got happy. I was like, I got a fucking wife who cries at the retirement, at the Jersey retirement, the number retirement of one of the greatest men of all time, Keith fucking Hernandez. Even though deep down I know she wasn't crying at that whatsoever. It's just because she's riddled with pregnancy hormones. They could have been hanging up Hitler's jersey in those rafters and she would have cried. It had nothing to do with Keith as much as I wish it did. Um, But she, you know, listened to Keith give a speech. And Keith Hernandez got traded from the St. Louis Cardinals. June 15th, 1983. I remember that day because it's my fucking birthday. Not the 83 part. I'm young. But the June 15th part. And, uh... He got traded from the Cardinals to the Mets on that day. And he thought, you know, he wanted to kill himself. The Mets were a bad organization. He had just won a World Series with the Cardinals. Getting traded to one of the shittier franchises in the league. And you know what happens? He wins a fucking ring. He gets immortalized in franchise history. He goes down as one of the greatest first basemen to ever play the game. One of the best players in Mets franchise history. Got to be part of a team with fucking Seaver. Gooden. One of the sickest teams of all time. Ron Darling. There's a documentary on him. Watch it. Guys are doing blow and winning championships. Um, But the point of the story is, not everything that appears to be bad is that. Could end up being a career-changing thing for the better. A life-altering event for good. He's also now been in the booth for 35 years doing commentary. So who the fuck knows? 
Granted, he made it to the show and all this stuff started happening. JFL for me would be like getting into the show. I guess. I still technically do stand-up every night. What are you going to do? So maybe that's what's giving me anxiety. Maybe it's the fucking fact that I thought I'd be further along in this shit before I created a smaller version of myself. But that's what you get, Nick. You were fucking painting the insides of your lady. What'd you think was going to happen? You weren't going to fertilize a fucking egg? You were eating liver and meat. Fruit. You're virile. You're a virile kid. You had to know. You had to know filling the tank up was going to lead to a fucking child. And it is. But you know, it's not like I don't need to be really anxious because we're obviously as a couple in a position to raise a kid properly. We have the resources, the tools, the assistance we're going to need. But I would have just liked to, you know, basically tell my wife what to do because I was making all the money. But I'm the fucking lady here, folks. I'm the 1930s housewife who's going to be cooking, cleaning, breastfeeding. I can't do any of those things. I'm fucking dog shit at cleaning. I just get tired immediately. Um, cooking, I just cook for efficiency. I don't give a fuck what it tastes like. Throw the meat in the pan, done, eat it. Cut the fruit up, done, eat it. Sear the liver, done, eat it. No seasonings. I don't give off. I don't try to make anything good. I don't try to make anything taste better than it tastes naturally because I'm just going to end up making it worse. I also just want to get the food in my body immediately. I don't need, I don't need to saute things. I don't need, I, I go outside for that shit. Okay. I go to the professionals for that shit. All right. When I want to listen to fucking music, I don't grab this bullshit guitar I bought four months ago because I thought I'd be able to learn it and strum on it and listen. No, I fucking throw on, I throw on some fucking Father John Misty. I throw on some Adele. I throw on some Bo Burnham, honestly. I've been listening to those songs still. But you see my point? If you can't cook well, cooking for yourself for flavor is like trying to play music for yourself instead of just listening to it professionally. I will go to a restaurant if I'm searching for top-tier nosh. If I want to hear a good harmony, I will throw on the soundtrack to Lay Miz. I'm not going to try to create one with my fucking dog. I think it makes sense. I think that all adds up nicely. Um, before I forget to mention, I'm going to be in Wilkes Bar, Wilkes Bear, Pennsylvania. Um, at Wisecrackers Comedy Club featuring for Andy Fiore, about doing about 25 minutes to a half an hour. It'll be a good time. And if you happen to live in the middle of nowhere and want to come to a show in the middle of nowhere, that's also connected to a casino. If you want to come to a show and watch me tell jokes in a cavernous, cavernous room, which is the antithesis of everything you want a stand-up room to be. A stand-up room should be the equivalent of how sardines are packed in a can. 
You need no dead space. You need the laughs to be trapped in order for the crowd to feel like they're part of a fucking seismic event and for the comedian to not want to break the safety features of a hotel room and swan dive to his death. That's the thing about comedy. Isn't that crazy that the audience can leave and in their head be like, I had a great fucking time in that show. That was wonderful. But a comic could leave with the complete opposite impression because of the, the, how, you know, the way a room is set up. Because if it's high ceilings and there's a lot of dead space, okay, you know, basically this room is like the bag of potato chips of comedy rooms. There's just, you open it up and there's just a lot of air in there. And the laughs evaporate and it feels like you're bombing even though people might be having the time of their lives. A good club is like a fucking when you open, uh, trying to think. I said sardines already. I wanted to, I wanted to use a different example. But I'm going to use sardines again because that's all I got. I want everything, everything to be trapped, everything to be tight, people to be slightly uncomfortable. You don't want people to be, you know, sitting back in chairs with space. They've got to be on top of each other. It's got to be dark. So nobody can, you know, they don't feel like they're being judged for what they're laughing at. But this room is cavernous. Cavernous. I also don't even understand. Why does the word cavernous mean spacious and roomy? I assume it's derived from the word cave. And when I think of caves, I think of tight spaces, no? Aren't caves small? They're holes in the sides of rocks. Wouldn't that be small? Or caves, am I an idiot? And caves are fucking huge. The fuck are you going to do, you know? English. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But yeah, I got another, uh, you know, seven months to really start pulling in the cash via comedy before this kid pokes his head out of a puss. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It could happen. Maybe I'll have to get a real job. I don't think that is what will ever happen. I'm never doing that. I've never even had a real job. I don't know how to work in an office. I've had two jobs other than the stand-up. I worked at JNR Steakhouse as a fucking food runner, which that was my first job ever. And fuck, dude, that shit, that shit was hard for me because I think I weighed 94 pounds and I'd come out. It was a steakhouse. I'd have to balance just dense plates of big cuts of meat, cream, spinach, and fries just over my shoulder. I remember I was terrified in the beginning. I just held it out like it was a personal lunch tray. I, that big, massive sorcer of a thing that food runners hold, I was just holding it in front of me and I got yelled at. They were like, you can't do that, dude. Got to be professional. Get it over the shoulder. And eventually I, you know, I got it. I balanced it. And then uh, I think I worked there for probably two years. By the end of the two years, my right shoulder was four times the size of my left. It still is a little bigger to this day. Couldn't balance it out. And I couldn't, you know, part of me wanted to go left, but I couldn't take that risk. It wasn't worth spilling fucking some Worcestershire sauce sauce, all over a fucking broads dress. That would have been, I never spilled food on anybody. Not that I can remember. Might have blocked it out. That shit is traumatizing. Um, and then the other job was, you know, I cleaned dirt off of rich people's golf clubs and made stupid money. Um, and actually tomorrow we have a test for the kid. Checking in on him, making sure he's got all his limbs and his fucking whatever the fucks. I mean, you pray that he's fucking, you know, going to be all right. And you worry about his health and his mental acuity. And then uh, sometimes you got to just sit back and realize 
human beings are just honestly fucking, no matter how smart your kid is, they're all retarded for the first, I don't know, three years of their life. They're all pretty fucking useless. It's always amazing to me how I see like when an elephant gives birth, it's just gives birth to an elephant. It scurries away immediately. It, know, it knows how to walk. It, it kind of just knows how to do a lot. I mean, if you put a newborn baby up against a newborn anything else, it's going to get annihilated. Why are we the species that continues to fucking evolve and survive and found out a way to get out of the food chain? I get it. We're smarter than all of them, but still. I feel like strength, strength, just being that advanced. I mean, a one, a, a newborn tiger could probably fuck up a human who's been out in the open for four years, retaining knowledge and shit. It's wild how incapable we are when we come out of the womb. Are we, are we all having these kids too early? Are they meant to stay in the womb much longer? And we have some sort of weird thing going on where we're just popping these kids out when they're fucking uncooked. I don't know. We're very weak and we're getting weaker, especially white people. We got to be careful, guys. I don't know what that is. Is it because when we were all, when we were like royalty, kings and queens, princes and whatever the fuck else, we were just, you know, banging our siblings. If Game of Thrones is accurate. A lot of white kings and queens were just fucking each other's brothers and cousins. And I think that's why all of us fucking have eczema now. I think that's why we all have psoriasis and dandruff. And we can't eat bread. Because of the amount of fucking inbreeding that we had going on. When we were in rule. Versus what the other races were doing here in America. Which was not to be crass but I believe they were enslaved and they were breeding in a manner in which the strongest two were coming together. And now that's what you got. You got a bunch of fucking not white people dominating sports and you got a bunch of white people who need to carry EpiPens at all fucking times. Have you ever been to like a gluten-free restaurant? I know they, you know, mainly exist in, you know, New York City, major metropolises. I know some of you live in the middle of nowhere where Applebee's is the nicest fucking place you have to eat. Um, but yeah, if you go to a gluten-free restaurant, dude, it outside of a clan rally, they're they're about the whitest place you're ever gonna fuck you're ever gonna step foot in. It's just every restaurant is just white people modifying their order. There's an, there's an entire industry of cheeses derived from nuts because of white people. I've never seen a black person talk about gluten. Have you? I know some of you listen to this show. Write in if you can't eat pasta. Um, yeah, so hopefully we don't, you know, just give birth to a small itchy baby. We'll see what happens. I hope he's a strong, a strong individual. If not, I'll just shoot him. I'll shoot him with a little HGH. Get him ahead of the curve, you know? And this shit is brutal, dude. I mean, women, you know, talk talk a lot about how pregnancy is difficult. And it, it's definitely difficult. But, uh, and I, I'm sure it varies from gal to gal. But, you know, they, I mean, they call it morning sickness. But it's fucking noon and night as well. In the case of my lady. I mean, you've never seen a person throw up this much. You've never seen a person this tired.
You've never seen a person spend this much time in bed. She's just a fucking meat suit growing another meat suit. And that is, you know, that is women's, pregnant women's favorite thing to tell a guy is how they could never do this. Men can never do this. You could never do this. And I kind of want to be like, what? Handle something poorly? Because this isn't going so well. If you, if she just got pregnant and then nine months later showed up with my son, then I'd be like, how the fuck did you do that? I could never. But the way she's talking to me is like she, she thinks she's scaling a mountain, but really she's kind of just falling down it. And she's looking at me like, you can never do what I'm doing. And I'm like, I don't know. I think, I feel like Mother Nature's doing most of that work. And you are just along for the ride. Albeit it's a bumpy one. There's no real exit. So I don't know. Oh man, I'm fucking around. It says I could, I can never, I can't even, you know, I have trouble sleeping anywhere that isn't my bed and my apartment because I need so many things to feel comfortable. So many things to get through my morning routine properly and feel level-headed and normal. Dude, you can throw anytime I fucking leave New York, travel anywhere, something goes around. I start getting a sty. I start getting sick. I bite my tongue. I miss my flight. I misplace a social security card. All the shit starts falling apart if I am one iota outside of my comfort zone. So I'm, I mean, I'm fucking around. Being pregnant looks like an absolute, I'd also be just a wreck anxiety wise. Just be constantly wondering if this kid, if I just got a fucking dead fetus in my torso. You got to, you got to remain, I mean, my wife is a chill lady and even she's showing signs of anxiety during this. And I'm like, if you're doing that, I for sure, I for sure would be having meltdowns constantly. If you haven't, please rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to me speak. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Nick Alex Comedy. It would mean the world to me. Got a kid on the way. Ah, Christ, my wife's calling me. She's been, you know, even before the pregnancy, it's a little more excusable because of the pregnancy, but she's been very emotionally needy. It's tough because we went from not knowing each other to immediately moving in with one another when the fucking pandemic happened. We had hung out twice before the lockdown happened. She had a sick apartment. She lived on her own, had a backyard. I was like, if this lockdown's for really, mind if I just kind of crash here for a bit? We thought it was going to be two weeks. And she was like, yeah, you know. Sure, I'll kick you out as soon as I get sick of you. Never got sick of each other. Now we're married having a kid. But anyway, I think, you know how like certain, some people's dogs got so used to their owners being around that now they have separation anxiety? I think that's what's happening with my wife. That first fucking year, year and a half we spent every goddamn day together. Now, anything short of that, anything short of getting a surgery to stitch myself to her body is seems to be falling short of giving her the attention that she needs. I'm sorry. 
Pandemic attention was a once in a lifetime thing. All right. I mean, if there's another lockdown, cool. I'll happily give it to you. But fucking lockdown attention is not and will not and cannot. And I refuse to have it be the baseline of attention that is given in our relationship. Neither to me nor to you. But yeah, that's it for this episode. I love you guys. Stay safe. Take care. Do all the things I ask you to do every episode. Yaddy, 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 yaddy. Yaddy!